Welcome to my podcast, What the Fuck Spirit. If you made it past that name, this is going to be the podcast for you. This is going to be a no holds barred, no bullshit, open and honest conversation with Maria Leggett, and that's me, about all things spiritual. It's time to begin talking in an open and honest way about what spirituality is and what it is not. We're going to discuss all things woo-woo, witchcraft, spiritual, queer spirituality, medium versus psychic, energy healing, light work, shadow work, and any other bullshit that people want you to believe because it keeps them comfortable. It is time for you to grow. Let's go. Good morning. Good morning. Actually, it's afternoon. It is 12 p.m. And it is January 25th. I am on East Coast time. I am so excited to be on here today running the episode two of What the Fuck Spirit. Today we have our guest, Jenna Skye. I have her in the waiting room. Yay, I cannot wait. Um, So I want to talk about things we have coming up this week. So I have classes coming up. Anything that you'd like to register for, you can go to marialeggett.com, M-A-R-I-A-L-E-G-G-E-T-T, and you can go and sign up for classes on there. You can also book readings, whatever you would like to do. And today we're going to talk about Jenna and Jenna's business. Jenna is a licensed massage therapist, which I mean, I've not met her in person, but I've known her for like four or five years. So, and I've heard she does really good massages, just saying. Um, Jenna is also a yoga instructor. She is a shamanic Reiki master teacher. She is a master crystal healer and a soul coach. Jenna and I do very similar things, um, but they're different. And I absolutely love being able to empower and lift up another female in this business. So it is my honor and my pleasure to bring on my beautiful friend, Jenna Skye. Aww, thanks, Shelly. Maria. <laughs> no, call me Shelly. Maria is what they told me I have to go by. <laughs> Look, I know her as Shelly. It's forever ingrained in my head as Shelly. <laughs> and I'm okay with that. <laughs> so thank you for such a warm introduction. I love that we've known each other for years and we've been able to be supportive of one another in all that we do. And yeah. I think that it's awesome to see how we both have grown over the years too. So um, yes, a uh, massage therapist. That's been my career for 20 years now. I've been in the healing arts, doing Reiki, energy healing, crystal healing, all of all of that stuff. Um, yeah, that's it's just it's been my it's really been my path since about 16 years old when I was really started searching for my answers about spirit and yeah. And wanting to to understand it and find my beliefs and find find my way, really. And I'm blessed that even into adulthood, I've gotten to live this path and this path be my path of service. So I I definitely feel like I've been super lucky in that aspect of of this having been my full career for my whole adulthood. <laughs> so no, you found yours at 16. It took me until I was well into my 40s. <laughs> you know, it's um it's been a journey. It's been a journey and it's constantly changing and shifting and I love that too. So um like right now I am really on this kick of learning and teaching about 
the crystal skulls. So I have a free intro to working with crystal skulls workshop coming up. Um, you can sign up for that. It's, it's free. It's just a free introduction to kind of introduce people to working with crystal skulls and using them for channeling. Um, it's absolutely amazing. They're amazing tools to work with. Who doesn't love free? Come on. Right. Right. So I always think it's important to have like little, little things where people can be introduced to you too, because there's, there's a lot of stuff out there nowadays, a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff that we got to sort through. Um, <laughs> but you know, this is part of a larger program that I'll be running as well. So um, this is like your, your ability to tune in and see if it is for you or not. So um but yeah, I've been been in this field for quite some time. I love what I do. I shared this morning, you know, 20 some years ago, I was holding circles in my home. And I, I saw that them. post. I saw yeah. that post. You're like, right? you had to do it in secret. Now we're like doing it out going, Woo! who knows who remembers which box? Like that was our secret society where we got to post and meet people because we couldn't just be out in the open with it. And you know, I remember, I remember posting on Wishbox and trying mm -hmm. to create this gathering, bring this collective together. And I mean, I was still a baby adult at that time. I was 20 years old, but I was seeking community. And I knew that there had to be other people out there that felt the same way, that yeah. had the, the, that same calling, that same feeling. And I was trying to figure out how do we find each other? And yeah. I mean, here I am now, 20 years later, and it's part of my business. <laughs> it's public. <laughs> well, you know what? It makes me really sad that Witchbox went away because that's how I used to be able to find all the metaphysical stores. <laughs> you know, well, you're and you just go to witchbox.com. There it yeah. is. You can do your search and find. And, yeah. you know, it's all gone now, which is kind of sad. But I mean, Google's so big, it's easy enough to find them that yeah. it's not so secret anymore. Exactly. And I think that's beautiful, too. Look at how far we've come as a society of more people awakening to this, this more open spiritual practice, right? And it's, yeah. it's not so condemned anymore. Now it's like, oh, I get it. Oh, this is what I've been feeling. Oh, you know, and people are coming to that, that recognition of this awakening. And now it's become more more mainstream, more accepted, more available. And yeah. that's, that's the beauty to me of being alive right now at this time being here is yeah. witnessing this happening. And, oh, it, it, it gives me the, the chills head to toe because it's like, you know, I, I even in, in terms of being an energy worker, right? I remember my very first Reiki class that I sat in as a student, I had no idea what chakras were at that time. None. Yeah. Like I had to learn from the very itty bitty bottom. And now people already come in being so much more aware of energy. And it's like, we're no longer starting down here. We're starting up here because more people are aware. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful to see this collective growth. It is. And the only thing that the only caveat to all of this beautiful growth that I've experienced and maybe you've experienced this as a teacher, too, is that because there's you know social media, there's a lot of misinformation that gets mm -hmm. put out as well. And so there are times when someone will come to me and go, oh, blah, 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 blah. And like any topic, it doesn't matter. And I'm like, OK, well, there are different schools of thought on this. So, mm -hmm. you know, if I'm teaching, I kind of have to undo some things that people have learned just because, I mean, you're seeking knowledge anywhere and everywhere you can. 
Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to start this podcast. I mean, who knew 20 years ago I'd be able to launch a podcast at all? Never mind what it's called What the Fuck Spirit. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. Well, if anyone was going to do that, it would be you. <laughs> I will take that as a compliment. So um, we have a couple of viewers on. Sailor Brooke says, Oh, I hear some birds. Those are Jenna's birds. <laughs> Jenna loves animals as much as I do, and she has beautiful, beautiful birds. Um, very loud mouth birds. So a lot of times when I get into that flow of connection or I'm leading meditation and I'm dropping into that zone, oh my God, he goes bananas. And I'm like, really, this is the worst time for you to be screeching at the top of your lungs. Animal kingdom will be heard. Yes. Yeah. I'm like, you know, it's just part of the meditation, right? (laughs) And so I have this beautiful tree background. Just pretend it's a bird in the tree. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I love that. So anybody who is watching us live right now, this is going to be recorded on the podcast. Please, please, please send your likes and loves to this so that we can get picked up in the algorithms. Please make sure that you share this out with everybody because this will allow us to hit the algorithms. It will allow people to find out what we're doing and find out the things that we're talking about. So it's really, really important that you guys begin sharing and interacting because the more you comment, the algorithm picks it up that it's something that's interesting. So we have to unfortunately pander to the algorithms, but I mean, this is the world we live in right now. So um, anybody who is interested in Jenna's intro to Crystal Skull class that's free, I put the link in the comments. It is sacredsoulhealer.com. And that is her digital online academy. She also has um, mysacredsoul.com, which is her other website where you can buy merchandise. And if you live down near her, Um, You can book appointments and you can do online coaching because Jenna does a little bit of everything, which is amazing. So I have a question for you and I'm going to ask every one of my guests this because I think it's important. What does spirituality mean to you? Long (laughs) It's such a big question, you know, spirituality to me is is about the practices that connect me to that energy of divine. It connects me to something greater than me. It reminds me of being open and being expansive in my own nature and, and bringing me back to that place of connection. And, and I, I find my way in that through different modalities, different practices, you know, so there's, there's, I guess, to me, like the concept of spirituality as being a practice, but then there's also the concept of spirituality being um, like a state of being too. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a multi-level, multi-level thing, multi-dimensional kind of concept, I think. So um, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, and I don't, I don't disagree with you on that. I mean, for me, the one thing that I can, because we talk about, you know, even in the intro, I say we talk about what spirituality is and what it is not. And to me specifically, and I mean, anybody can agree or disagree with me, you know, take what you resonate with for me and ditch the rest of it. Mm-hmm. But um, spirituality doesn't have anything, no dogmatic practices. There are no rules. There are no laws. There's no you do what you resonate with. And what works for me may not work for Jenna, 
what Jenna does may not work for me, but it doesn't mean that we can't teach the things that we like, that we find works for us. And then everybody else can take those pieces and develop it into your own practice. I mean, that's what, so to me, that's what spirituality is not. There's no dogma. There's no brow beating. There's no, you have to do it this way. That's religion. Right. And yeah. it's religion. I'm talking. Indoctrination. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I was having this conversation last night with some friends that there's, there's a, a lot of people want to say that there's dogma only in Christianity, but that's not true. There's a lot of, you know, indoctrination and very specific things when you're talking about working in an initiated coven in specific closed practices. You have to do things a very specific way. And if not, then you're frowned upon. And that is what I go against. Or the hierarchy. Like you have to start at the bottom. It doesn't matter how many years you've been practicing or how many years experience you have or the knowledge you have. If you're going to be in this, you have to be at the bottom of our totem pole because you have to go through our way. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of that in there. And I don't, for some reason, something that was coming through really strong for me this morning was to presence even an experience that I had with um, sitting in circle with a leader that was leading the circle from a place of our own wounding. And that, oh, yes. that created a lot of indoctrination happening within the circle. And part of that was her stance on makeup. Like she felt like as a woman, you shouldn't wear makeup. And if you're wearing makeup, it's because you're hiding something and, and you don't feel good about yourself. And like, she took it to a very negative place. But it, that was her only set mindset on that practice. And, you know, wow. this is a practice. And to me, I see it as an art. And oh, it was yeah. like, I don't feel that way. Am I wearing a mask? I don't feel like I'm wearing a mask. Like, I view it as something completely different. But there was no openness for me to have a view. It was like you could only follow that way. And it was like, yeah, this is not the, the space for me. This is not, yeah, no, that's kind of icky. Um, I see it as, as another aspect of sacred adornment. Like this is part of me honoring myself and loving myself for who I am. Like if I want to add pops of pink to my eyes, because I'm feeling that pink vibe, like that's what I'm going to do. And it's, it's a place of honor. It's a place of sacredness. It's a place of love and appreciating myself. And that's part of my self-care beauty routine in the morning is, is this practice and it's definitely not associated with negative things. It's not because I don't already think that I'm beautiful or that I don't love myself as I am. It's quite the opposite. To me, it is an act of love. And the same when I put on my bracelets in the morning, like they're, they're sacred jewelry to me that have an energy. And while I don't need them, it's a tool. It becomes a spiritual practice of how I place my jewelry on and the meaning that it holds for me. So it becomes this wide open kind of experience that, you know, it might be an everyday routine thing, but it becomes a sacred practice because of the intention that you hold behind it. And for some reason that was just coming through really loud and clear for me this morning. And I was like, I must have to share this for someone to hear. So I don't know how that. that message gets to the right person, but just know like everything is wide open. And, I, and that comes back to what we were sharing about, you know, sometimes People get so set on yeah. their version of righteousness and beliefs that they're just kind of locked on to only their way. 
And if you don't see it their way, then you're automatically wrong. And, you know, that's not creating a sacred space. That's No, and it's very limiting. Yeah. Like, op like open your mind. If you're going to talk about openness and teach openness, that means that your mind has to be open to mm -hmm. And yep. when we go to this open place, it's, you're going to have triggers come through because there's a reason why spirit's bringing it to you. It's an opportunity to heal, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so we have Sailor Brooke, when we were talking about what is spirituality to you, Sailor had said, it's your soul journey and connection in life. Pam says, spirituality is openness to the miracle of source, which I love. Mm -hmm. And um, then when you were talking about makeup, I love this. Carol says, freedom of self-expression through makeup. Yes. Yeah. And Sailor says, I don't go anywhere without my joy, which I love all of this because, you know, years ago, Spirit said to me, because I never left the house without my earrings, a full face of makeup, like everything, I would not leave the house. And, but I was doing it for the wrong reason. And so spirits like, that's it. You have to ditch the makeup and you have to stop coloring your hair. And I know why they did it. And it wasn't, it wasn't a control thing. It was to get me through the trigger of me trying to please other people for me mm -hmm. trying to make myself look better. So I'm acceptable to other people. That's the only reason why I was coloring hair. It's why I was wearing makeup. And now I don't care anymore. And I actually love my gray hair and I'm glad that it's not colored anymore. My daughter said to me the other day, do you have tinsel in your hair, mom? I said, no, it's just gray hair. She's like, oh, it's really shiny. I was like, thanks. Yeah. And yeah. the thing is that I don't, I don't deny anybody their peace and happiness and coloring their hair. Not at all. I, for me, it was the wrong thing to do because I was trying to make myself into something mm -hmm. I wasn't. And so now I'm able to embrace that, embrace who I am. There are days, I mean, maybe three or four times a year, I'll put on a full face of makeup. And I mean, but I always like wearing lipstick. <laughs> well, part of that too is the social conditioning that we have yeah. as women where we're expected to maintain some sort of, of perceived looks. And, you know, I think that more of us are now coming back to reclaim, you know, what our own intention is behind what we do. And I think that that is just, it's amazing. It's incredible of, you know, it's, it, to me, it's part of the evolutionary journey that I think we're undertaking right now. Too. Absolutely. I love that. So I do want to go back. I want to go back to one of the things that you had said, because mm -hmm. it's part of the reason why we actually popped on here today to do the podcast. Um, and this is a reason for this. <laughs> so, um, Tree and I, as you know, we've launched a very small circle business where we are now going to start holding circles for women. Um, <clears throat> she and I were in a program that we learned a lot from, and if it wasn't for that program, we would have never met each other. So I'm super grateful for that. Um, but Tree and I are running, um, we're running an eight-week program now called The Magic of Circle. And if you want to look up that, you can go to themagicofcircle.com and you'll find that information. Um, but the point is, even with the shameless plug, <laughs> I say shameless because I'm really not ashamed. Um, so I want to talk about something that you had said, that you were sitting in circle where a leader was running circle from a wounded standpoint. And that's the whole thing. Like, I want to talk about what makes a sisterhood circle safe and comfortable. 
What are some of the triggers? What are some of the warning signs that you want to look for out of a circle leader? Even though when we're all circle, we're all even, there is no hierarchy in circle, but there is someone who will hold space for you to go through what you need to go through. Um, the program that Tree and I went through, there was definitely some wounding going on. And so we are cognizant of what we don't want to carry into our circle. And so I just want you to talk a little bit about your experience being in circle with a woman who was running it from a wounded space and how you run yours different. Hmm. Um, that's a lot. Okay. So <laughs> um, I, I think you hit the nail on the head though. Like when you're aware of it and it begins to show you what it is you don't want. Right. And we experience that in life in general, you know, sometimes we're shown things so that we can understand what it is we don't want, what we don't want to bring forward. And then it also comes back to that place of grace where sometimes people are completely unaware of a projection that they're carrying, that they're sharing, that they're putting out there because it hasn't, it hasn't come to that point where it's been mirrored back to them for them to witness, to go and, and grow through. So it's, it's kind of this, sketchy kind of area that really depends on the unique perspective, right? If it's someone you're close with, you might be able to have that private conversation with them of like, are you aware this is how this seems, you know, and, and kind of help to hold that mirror up for them. Um, but in some situations, you just, it might not be a good idea to do that, especially if someone's not asking for that mirror to be held up, because that can absolutely backfire. And I've had that happen to me before. Yes, <laughs> so, um, yeah, maybe don't always just automatically hold a mirror up thinking that everyone's super excited to do shadow work like you are, <laughs> because some people are not. They are um, not, and they react horribly to yeah, it. Yes. Um, I had I had that experience one time where I was. Um, in this group that was a spinoff from another group. And this woman was just tearing down like Christianity. Like she had an absolute chip on her shoulder about the history of it. And I get it, you know, as someone that did a lot of historical research around religions and things that happened, but it was like, you know, I just out of, out of wanting to be supportive was like, Oh, I remember feeling that way too. You know, I hope you find healing from this. And she absolutely like tore me to shreds, even went on alive in another group we were in together to tear me apart. Oh, <laughs> and I was like, okay. Oh, I definitely hit a nerve with someone. So I'm like, I'll just step back then, you know, by all means, have your wound and sit in it. That's fine. Yeah. So it was definitely a moment for me to sit back and look and say, okay, well, she wasn't asking for a suggestion or advice, which brings me to creating that safe space, right? And that to me is the key thing is, you know, I don't like having rules for a circle, but I do think we need to have some guidelines. And for me, mm -hmm. the biggest guideline that I think is super important is recognizing each woman as being sacred, divine, and intelligent onto herself. So you don't need to offer suggestions or advice unless a sister specifically asks for that. Because yeah. if we think about how we how we are in the world around us and we share something right away, it's like someone wants to jump in and help and share a solution or a suggestion. And in that moment when people do that, if you're not asking for that, it disempowers you. 
Correct. And whether they realize it or not, they're, they're causing that, you know, they are taking that power away from you. They're initially saying that, you know, they don't think you're smart enough to come up with a solution yourself. And then that triggers that, you know, oh, maybe I'm not doing this right, or maybe I'm not, you know. And so it creates this kind of negative space. So to me, when we come into sisterhood, we're, we're entering into a space where it becomes the top priority for each person to be seen, to be heard, to be supported, to feel connected. And we do that by creating a safe container and making sure that we're not just trying to jump in and fix, jump in and offer advice, jump in and, and save the person. And it's hard because a lot of women that, that want to come to this, this place of community, like we all kind of have this calling of wanting to help and wanting to heal and, you know, this sort of thing, but it becomes this place of needing to find balance with that. Because Mm -hmm. when we jump and we act in that way where we are just jumping in to save someone, that's a, that's a sign of like more over dominant in the masculine energy, the solar plexus energy where we're needing to prove ourselves and our own worth by jumping in to help someone else versus a place of that divine feminine empowerment that can also move through that solar plexus where we're able to hold the space and allow that woman to feel more empowered in the, de- in the decisions and the choices that she's making on her own. And that's really where we want to move from in, in the sisterhood circle, because just in that space of creating that container, you begin to witness women rising up into that power. Yeah. That is that incredible moment. That's like, it is amazing to watch. Yes. Yes. So Tree and I, Tree and I agree with everything that you have just said. So we have at the beginning of circle, what we call the ethics and agreements. These mm-hmm. are the things that ethically we can do the agreements that you agree to hold on to yes. because a lot of the times women are joining a women's circle because they want to be heard. Mm-hmm. And if you step in and try to rescue and save them, a, and a lot of people might disagree with me when you're stepping in to rescue someone, you're doing it from a selfish place mm-hmm. because you feel better by rescuing mm-hmm. someone else. And so while it's coming from a, a selfish place from you, the other person, you're now denying them their right to be heard. You're cutting them off. Yep. So you need to be able to just allow them to cry, to do whatever they want to do because they know they're being heard, you know, and then before you do anything, you ask them, is there anything you need from us? You just want to be heard. Would you like advice? Give them options, mm-hmm. you know, and then that way they feel empowered for, okay, what am I saying? What am I doing? How do I want to handle this? And for a lot of women, they don't know what to say because a lot of us have never been given that choice. Yeah. We've had it taken away from us. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that I loved so much about being in circle was that Shit, I actually got to talk. <laughs> yes. Yep. Absolutely. So I love that. I love that you feel that way because I think that that is it is ultimately the safest way to run a circle because mm-hmm. running it from a wounded spot, you're carrying in your triggers. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing, right? I love, again, what something that you said earlier is mirror, right? You can mirror for someone. And one of the things that we teach, and you may or may not teach this as well, is that my circle is a reflection of me. 
And so whoever steps into my circle could either have an old wound of mine, an active wound of mine, and stuff's going to get triggered. It's going to get brought up. But I want that to happen. I'm coming from a space of I want that to happen because A, it gives me an opportunity to heal. And B, if I if it's one that I've already healed and they want advice, I can help guide them through what worked for me and then they can figure out what works for them. I see that as, as the common thread that we see in the circle, right? Well, as sisters start sharing places that they're in, what they're working through, how they're feeling, what's coming up for them, all of a sudden it's like you see everyone's grabbing at little pieces of someone's story that they relate to. And it's, yeah. it's that thread of connection that we're just like, yeah, I'm not, I don't have that same situation. However, I feel this and this, this takes me to this spot in my life and yeah. what I'm feeling that relates to that. And it becomes that thread of commonality, but I like how you put it like, yeah, because there's, we, we call in the people that resonate with us, right? Yes. So it makes sense that those that show up are going to have a lot of the same wounds that we ourselves have worked through or healed through or perhaps still are working on or need to work on. And I think that that's a beautiful way of, of looking at that too is is that recognition of that's, that's kind of how this flow works. <laughs> it's how the universe works sometimes. It is. And, you know, I've... And I don't know how you talk to your circle participants, but um, one of the things that I love that Tree and I did learn in our other program and that we've carried it into our program, The Magic of Circle, which is don't text me an hour before circle and say, you know what? I'm in a really bad mood. I just, I can't do it because that's what you need to bring into circle. That's the place to bring that emotion. Let your sisters hold you. Let your sisters hold space for you to be however bitchy, cranky, nasty, whatever, because you could just spill it, right? That's what I love about circle is that you just dump it in there. And we agreed at the beginning to not carry any of it out because it's not ours to hold. But you're dumping it in this beautiful, safe space where it can transmute and then you can take out peace. And you bring up a very, very good point, right? We are so afraid sometimes that by bringing our heavy emotion that mm -hmm. we are bringing other people down. And I've had I've had people reach out to me about this where they become so afraid because of the this positivity movement where everything's got to be positive and everything is light and rainbows and butterflies and unicorns that they're afraid if they bring the intensity of their emotion into a situation if they they bring you know that they're going through depression or or they're battling some some dark heavy energies that they're going to bring everyone else down and they don't want to be responsible for that mm -hmm. and it breaks my heart that there are people that feel that way and this is why i speak a lot about the toxic positivity because it absolutely is when you are preaching only this love and light energy and not holding space for those that are feeling these other emotions and understanding that sometimes it's important that we sit with those emotions too, that that is a part of life. Life is not always light and life is not always easy. No. Light is not always <laughs> sunshine, right? It is, it is all of the things and we have to be able to hold the capacity to sit in all of that. 
Yes. And that to me is part of what makes a good circle leader too, is someone that's not afraid of that. We have to be able to know how to hold the space when it starts shifting into that uncomfortable energy because someone is moving through some emotional release and they're bringing up things that they have been working through in this the deep, dark stuff that they've been holding in that they haven't been able to share with anyone else. And when they start to presence that and they start to move through that emotion to be able to continue to hold that container and make sure that everyone is still feeling like, you know, it's a safe space, that it is mm -hmm. safe to express that, to move through that, to recognize that you're in that spot and just allow us all to sit there with you so you remember that you're not alone because you're never alone. Right. We all have gone through these these pieces of of heavy energy like that in some way, shape or form to some extent or another. You know, some people very extreme, some people maybe not as extreme and it's OK, but it's just that ability to sit and be OK in that energy that might not feel so comfortable being around because you're not used to it and you're not taught. You're not taught how to do that. No. It's something that evolves with your own ability to be comfortable in it and, and be teachable yourself, be open yourself. So being able to provide a space that recognizes the whole of our emotional scale is super important, I think, in Circle. Because if we're just we're just looking to connect in just this realm over here, we're missing a whole group of people. And Absolutely. to me... I, I want to hold the space for the group of people that really need it, that feel like they're alone and they're lost and they're in the dark and, and they don't know how to find their way through and, and they need that help. They need that light. That's where you get to be that light. That's where you get to hold that space and yes. look through it. And that to me, that that's my heart and soul, like kind of behind this. And I think my drive for holding the circle spaces is this. I had... <laughs> It started because spirit wouldn't leave me alone about holding sisterhood circles. And I'm like, why? What does this have to do with my business? I'm like, feeling you on that one. Sometimes they don't give you a choice. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, I'll start holding circles. Well, let me take some extra courses. I want to make sure that I'm like up to par with what people are expecting. And, you know, like three certification later, like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I could have wrote all these courses. It's fine. Um, so it was again, a process for my own self of just coming into that recognition and feeling comfortable and in stepping into my own leadership because it was forcing me to step out of my comfort zone and, and hold a space in a larger capacity. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea where that was going to lead, but it ended up leading me to even starting a teen circle because of what I was going through with my own daughters and battling depression and anxiety and, um, attempted suicides and just a lot of heaviness. And I mean, here I am someone that teaches these healing tools and, you know, meditation practices and, and all this stuff. And it's like, you know, I'm watching my own kids and how they're battling things and, and they have this access to me all of the time, but I'm mom, you know, if you have kids, yeah. you understand when you're mom, it doesn't matter. It is totally <laughs> it's true. It's totally different. They don't come to you for that because you're mom. Yep. But it made me recognize that there is such a disconnect when it comes to children that are battling this, like there, there's nothing for them. There's, you know, you might be able to find a therapist that sees children, but even trying to find a good therapist is very hard. So by incorporating a teen circle, it allowed me to help to hold a space for 
these girls that wanted to come in and just kind of connect and be in a safe container, learn energy tools, learn meditation tools, learn different ways of being able to sit in their emotions and process their emotions. Because again, we're not taught how to process our emotions. And that's where the biggest breakdown is happening. No, and, and we're not, and we're not taught to work through them. It's pretty away. Nobody has time for that right now. And the one thing that I think most of us as adults, when we come into circle say, we wish we would have had something like this when we were younger, when we really needed it growing up. And it's like, well, duh, that's what we need to do. We need to have these teen circles too, so that we're helping this younger generation and we're teaching them coping skills because where else are they going to learn it? They, we can only learn our coping skills by how others are showing them to us. And that's not always the best situation, right? No, right. not at all. Um. <laughs> we, learn from, we learn from the examples, right? Mm -hmm. So if you had a mom who, or a grandmother who raised you and they didn't work through their own stuff, you don't think that you can either, yep. right? And that's one of the things that I've had to work through is we don't talk about that in our family. Yep. So I've had to work through a lot of that stuff. And mm -hmm. Circle has been the place where I could go and talk about those things because I'm not the only person who's been through mm -hmm. that. So it's nice to be in a space where there's not. And again, like you said, we need to, and Circle is specific for, yes, it's great to bring in the light, but one of the ethics and agreements that Tree and I have is bring it all, everything, mm -hmm. bring it all. Because in the moments that you're in your darkest spot, I can be your light. Mm -hmm. So we can share that, right? We can share that. Um, so Christy says, if someone wanted to start a circle in their own area, how would they go about it? And what training do they need? Um, so Christy, I would tell you that you want to begin going to circles yourself so that you can have the experience as a participant. And once you've got that experience, then you need to find a place that will train you in circle leadership. And you want to make sure that you resonate with the circle leaders. Not all circle programs are equal. And it's just going to be a, a matter of finding a place where you're comfortable with that. Um, that, is, that is the whole point to what Tree and I are doing right now is we have three programs that are going to run. And then we're going to have the here's how you go be a leader because we were taught differently. We were thrown into a program of how to lead circle and we had no background in circle at all. And so you're processing through your emotions at the same time, you're trying to learn to be a sequel, uh, circle leader. And to me, that was just, it was a disaster for me. I mean, I did it, but I was still working through my own wounding. I didn't really know how to hold space for people who were triggering me. So working through your own triggers is really important to at least get like the big, the big mamba jambas out the way <laughs> before you start leading a circle. Do you agree with that, Jenna? Yeah. So um, definitely I, I'm an overachiever and I love learning. So I can know something already and I'm still like, let me go take five certification courses. And that's just because, you know, I might be missing something. Um <laughs> That, that's my own thing. I, if I could be a lifelong student and just get paid for taking classes, I absolutely would nonstop because I, I, I love to learn. Like I just, I just want to absorb it all. Um, but having said that, the experiences that I had with circle training, I just felt like, um, I felt like I didn't need them personally. 
I was already at that level. But there again, I've been on this path for 20 years and I have right. absolutely zero problem holding a mirror up for myself and, and working through things and and understanding that and you know 20 years ago holding circles in my home here before before circle training was a thing and you know it's it's this place of self-recognition too of where you're at in your journey mm -hmm. if you're in need of more healing right because that's that's the epitome of the sisterhood circle is is the healing that happens in that space of healing the sister wounds yes. and you know, the, the comparison, the competitiveness, the envy, the jealousy, the resentment, the distrust, the insecurity, the lack of confidence, the, the hurt, if you've been hurt by another woman, I mean, how many of us can say we have not been hurt by another woman in our lives? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know any female who can say that. Not right. <laughs> exactly. Um, so there's, there's some sort of hurt or pain associated with the feminine and you know, rejection, vulnerability, fear, like there's so much that we work through in the sisterhood circle that we don't even have to name or give name to, but it's a healing that happens just because of how the flow of the circle is. And that's, yeah. that's the amazing part of it too. So sometimes you're not even fully aware of how something might be connected. <laughs> and I'll give an example of this, but it's like, such a dumb moment for myself. So here I am holding sisterhood circles. And I had this moment of clarity where I was like, Oh, I have wounds with my actual legit sisters. Duh. <laughs> you know, <laughs> maybe I should work through that. Um, I love my sisters to death. And I had absolutely nothing to do with them, but everything to do with me and the differences in our upbringing, because there was such a huge age gap, there's 12 and 16 years difference between me and my younger sisters. So it's they were raised in what seemed like a totally different household, totally totally different parents, it seemed like, who were willing to stay put and raise them in in a in the same school and, and let them grow up and have lifelong friends. Meanwhile, when I grew up, I went to 10 different schools by the time I graduated high school. 10 different schools. That's, That's a, a lot. lot of yeah. So I had to learn all the time how to adapt. And I became very, very aware of how to be an observer of people. And that actually served me quite well. However, I held this resentment towards my sisters because they had a life that was so much easier than mine. And I didn't realize that I was holding on to that as a, as a sense of anger towards them. Yeah. And then it really started to um, become more aware to me and sometimes the way that I would um, maybe word something or say something. And I'm like, I, I don't want to hurt my sisters. I'm happy that they had a much easier life than I did. And I absolutely don't hold this against them. Like I, I need to work on this myself. Like, why is this coming up for me? So that was work that I had to do myself. But there again, here I am running these sisterhood circles with other women that I call my sisters. And I'm like, I need to heal like my actual sister line. Like this is duh, you know? And so yeah. things like that come up and it's about just sitting with it and coming back to that recognition of, you know, what it, how can I be more open? What do I need to heal for myself right now? And in the space of the sisterhood circle, sometimes things are reflected to you in that way where, you know, you hear yes. someone else sharing a story and you're like, oh, why is this feeling coming up for me right now listening to the story? Like what, what's the story behind that in myself? And it's also teaching you how to 
hold space. And you get to take that with you outside of the circle. And this is where it has this amazing ripple effect because as we're learning to hold that space in circle, you're learning to also carry that with you for your own family, for your own children. Yes. And being able to practice holding space for them outside of the circle because it's something that's being modeled to you. So even when it's not presented as a learning teaching kind of thing in a circle, it's something that you're actually taking with you and you start doing on your own without even realizing that you're doing it sometimes. And it creates this amazing ripple effect where now you're becoming this, this anchor and you're helping to hold this, this space for those around you, those that you love, your friends and your family. Mm -hmm. And it begins to deepen your relationships in ways that you didn't realize. It does. You could, you know, like it's, it's amazing. It really is. It is. It's truly a gift. I, um, I, I went through something very similar with you. My little sister is, uh, my little sister is a year older than my son. <laughs> So there's like 25, 26 years difference between yes. my little sister. Oh my God. That's so funny. So my oldest daughter and my youngest sister are only like a few years apart. Yeah. Crazy, right? Yeah. So um, so I have two daughters that are older than her and then there's my son. And then I have one daughter who is younger than her. Um, <laughs> yeah. My son's only a year younger than her. Wow. But, you know, as she was growing up, I was, you know, my brothers used to, my older brothers used to laugh at me, um, the two that I grew up with and said, oh, you're not the baby anymore. And that like, that was a massive trigger to me. <laughs> and so I didn't realize until I got older that I was extremely jealous that she got a version of my dad that I never got. Mm -hmm. got a much different man who didn't leave her, didn't abandon her. She had a man who stayed with her the whole time and did her hair for school and packed her lunches and took her and dropped her off. Mm -hmm. Like she had a much different version of daddy than I did. And I had to realize that that was not Shannon's fault in any way, shape or form. That was just that that's the way that life planned out. It just was what it was. And I had to apologize to her for some of the ways that I spoke to her because it was not okay. And it wasn't until after dad died in 21 that Shannon and I started to work through it. And she just, she got to a place where she was comfortable to forgive me. And I was so grateful for the forgiveness. And we have a beautiful relationship now where we text each other, you know, she lives in Indiana. So I drive to go see her. She comes to see me. And it's really important that I have this relationship with her because she's my baby sister. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't care what the age difference is. She's my baby sister. She carried the same last name that I did. She had the same dad that I did. That is my family. And only through going to circles and learning how to deal with that, was I able to recognize should I have a sister wound with a sister that I didn't even grow up with? <laughs> yes. you know? mm -hmm. And I laughed because the whole time I was growing up, I said to spirit, I'm like, you know, I really want a baby sister. I'll do anything for a baby sister. You know, I was manifesting this as a little kid and, you know, I never meant for that to happen when I was 26. Just <laughs> a little slow on the manifesting there. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know what I did. Maybe I put that one out on the ocean and let it slide for a while. 
But uh, so yeah, I mean, I have her and that's the beautiful thing is that now I have her for the rest of my life, yep. you know, or, or as long as the universe is willing to keep her in my life. So I am really grateful for that. So I'm really glad that you bring that up because circle affects everything in your life, not just your own personal healing, but it allows you, just like you said, to hold space for others outside of circle because you've seen that example set, you know what to do where you can be that lighthouse in somebody's midnight. You can hold that space and say, listen, I'm here for you. You can feel what you need to feel. And you eventually get to a spot where you can recognize, okay, you are hurting me, but it's more of a reflection of you than it is me. You just need to process what you need to process. And I'll just do this, hold space for you while you go through it. Yes. And I don't know if you feel this way. I'm, you probably do, but to me, it's in it. It's an extension of being a spiritual minister. Yes. It's being able to hold that space in, in that light and see that connection in all of us and bringing that awareness to everyone in the space. And to me, it's it's part of that divine service, the being of service. And that's, that's what I love about it, too, is it, it gives me the space for that. And that's what I was really craving in my life. And at the time, I didn't know, like, that's why I was being guided. I think I'm on year three now of hosting circles for my business um, or in my business as part of my business, however you want to word that. <laughs> it feels kind of weird. Um, but it's it's like this, just listening to the calling. Yes. And trusting that it was there for a reason. And even though I didn't have any idea, like, I don't know how this fits into what I do at the time. It was, you know, the massage and, and energy healing and yoga. And it was like, I'm doing enough. Like, you want me to do something else too? Like, oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Queen multitasker of all the things over here. So, and, and just listening and following that and, you know, allowing myself to even stumble and, and how things were kind of playing out and, and messing with different things, looking at, you know, some of how different people hold circles in different ways and then finding what was true for me. You know, like there's some circles that I've seen where I call them a little more bougie where, you know, they have wine and chocolates and this and that. And I'm like, yeah, I don't want alcohol as part of my circle. No you know, way. I want people that, you know, if, if they're, if they're going through recovery, I want them to feel safe in my space. Yes. And that's not that's not contributing to safeness. So that's not something that I personally do. No offense to anyone that runs circles in that way. Like that's who you cater to, I think is important. But I think that for myself, finding I think finding my voice and in, in my uniqueness and how I want to hold this space yes. is finally what's come to the surface of okay, now now I get why I'm holding this space, why yeah. I was guided to do this, all the pieces are starting to come together. You know, so it it turned into also offering a priestess program. And that was like another divinely guided, just listening and letting it flow. So that was for the women that wanted to take that the next step further and really harness that energy for themselves. So I'm glad, you, I'm glad you brought up your priestess program because Christy asked earlier, when is your next one opening? Um, I, so it opens twice a year, it opens at May 1st at Beltane and then at October 31st for Salon. Um, so it's a six month program and then you have the option of 
doing the next six months because everyone is different. If you, so if you want the year long training, you can get a year long training. Um, and where can they sign up for that? That is on, so you can't sign up until the doors are open, but you can read about it. If you go to the sacred soul you can find the priestess training information there. And that link is already in the comments because it's the same place that you go for the intro for the free skull, crystal skull class that she's yes. going on. Yes. Which I am a guest speaker on that. Yes. Just saying. Yes. So the the concept of, of priestessing is that ability to hold the space. Yes. And it's the ability to recognize how we can help others find that connection and feel empowered and, and holding the space for them in that. So it was like this natural flow. And then this year it was like connecting the dots again, as I am continuing my education some more in the, the mind practices for women's health. And it's really starting to come full circle for me now and understanding why I've been guided to do this and, mm -hmm. and the multitude of layers that it's holding so that it becomes a space for um, also incorporating that aspect of women's health, because that's another thing that's severely lacking. And so I did do a facilitator training for red tent specifically, which is more aligned to women's health, the menstruation cycles and all of that and weaving that into, you know, circle practice. And so now March is the class that I'm taking for the, the mind practices in regards to women's reproductive health. And I cannot wait to incorporate that in. And so this is the first year that I'm finally putting myself out there to even hold red tent circles that are going to be specific and, and done only four throughout the year. So it'll be the maiden circle. So we work through the, the reproductive stuff and, and healing some of the conditioning that we hold with that. And then onto the mother and then onto the medicine woman and then the mage. So I've got it broken into to four circles throughout the year. Um, but it's just interesting because, you know, it's like circles within circles within circles, but yeah. they all relate and they all offer growth in a different capacity. Well, that's and, what the flower of life pattern is all about. Yeah. Circles, within yeah. circles within circles, right? Yeah. It's the geometry. That's how this yeah. works. Yeah. So it, and it also provides, you know, I think different levels for where people are comfortable at too. You know, for me, the sisterhood circle is this wide open space where, you know, you can just step right in and you're and you're welcomed in. There, there's nothing specific, you know, versus, you know, the priestess path is going to be more intense of a journey for a specific healing and working through things for yourself and learning techniques and, and learning things. And then the red tent is going to be more of the group healing journey where it's more directive in, in the healing that we're working through together as a group collectively. And I, I think that that's also amazing too. So I love that Christy wants to know the priestess, the priestessing class, is it online or in person? It's online. Yep. Through uh sacred soul healer.com. Mm -hmm. Yep. It is online. Um, now, like the the ladies that I have in this one, um, all of them are local except for one, but she drove in from out of town to make one of the sisterhood circles. So I ended up closing off that sisterhood circle and I made it a priestess circle so that we all could meet together. Awesome. We were like, Yay! It's been a while since I've been able to have the priestess group all meet together because there's been 
you know, people that haven't been local that have been in it. So um, it was exciting to be able to have everyone all together. And I love that aspect of it. But I do um, create space for a separate group for the priestesses so that we do have a closed container of, of being able to share with each other too. So. Beautiful. I love that. All right. We are coming to the close. I can't believe it's almost been an hour that we've been chatting. Is there anything left that you would like to say uh, and throw your websites out there? I want people to be able to find you and all of the information. Of course, if you go to WTFspirit.com, I will have all of Jenna's links with the podcast episode as it's posted later today. Um, is there anything else left to say? We talked about a lot. Do you feel Jenna? I think, um, I think we covered everything that I really felt like we needed to cover. Like if you haven't experienced a sisterhood circle, I definitely recommend experiencing yeah. one. And whether it's one that meets online or one that you find in person in your area, I think just experiencing it and even experiencing different ones and see the differences between how they're, how they're led, how they're held yeah. um, and being experienced as well. So just be open. Yeah. Tree and I say the same thing. Like it doesn't matter if you don't resonate with us as circle leaders, totally get it. You know, we facilitate in a very specific way and you may not resonate with us. Just get to a circle. It doesn't matter how you do it. If you're more comfortable being online, because everything that I'm doing right now are online. Like I run full moon ceremonies and other ceremonies like that in person, but I do them as a combined online and in person. Um, so just find a circle, find a place where you can find a group of women and just become comfortable with it and find mm -hmm. out what you resonate with. And here's the thing. If you're getting triggered in your circle, start to cipher out what the trigger is. Is it something that goes against your very basic belief system or is it something that you need to heal? Because they're coming up for a reason. Just work through it. And grace, show yourself some grace, you know, Absolutely. as we are to, to offer grace to others and helping them through their healing process, show yourself that same love and grace when you're working through your triggers. Yes. That's super important. Yes. That's one of the things that I love about Temple of the Rebel Goddess here in Dayton. It's a place where I teach my mediumship stuff and they have a big sign that hangs above their door that says no apologies within. So if there's a policy of no saying I'm sorry. It's thank you for your grace for allowing me to move through whatever it is, you know, because we all make mistakes. We all do that. And it is important that you give yourself the grace to be human. It's what we are. Well, awesome. Thank you so much, Jenna, for being on here. I absolutely adore you and love you. I am so grateful for your presence. And being I can't wait to hug you. Come visit. <laughs> I know. Soon, soon, soon. Um, it's it's going to be this year. It will be this year. It's a matter of on video now. I'm holding you to it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It's recorded. <laughs> yeah, spirit suckers me into this shit. It's always recorded. <laughs> But I'm actually down with it. So we'll come down there. I would love to be in a circle with you. Mm -hmm. um, I definitely want to do some gallery readings and yes. with you. That would be so much fun. So we will figure it out. Maybe make a week of it or a weekend, whatever we can do. I love the beach. I miss the salt water. And of course, you know, I have other people who I love. I need to be down there with. 
Um, so thank you so much, Jenna, for being on here and sharing this beautiful space with me. And thank you to all of you for joining and listening to What the Fuck Spirit podcast with me. I know you may not believe this, but truly you make a difference in my life every day. And I am grateful for each and every one of you. Thank you so, so much. Bye. Bye-bye.